The letter that Maria was very excited to receive in her relative loneliness at Bald Hills was written by her friend Julie Cadogan. Now, Julie is not to be confused with the Cadogans. Nevertheless, Julie is similarly wealthy. She's basically a rich young woman of society. This was, of course, an era of letter writing for those relatively few who could read and write. But for those who could transpose a letter, you'd try to get all the information you could in. So the letter begins by Julie expressing the bond of friendship between these two. Julie speaks about missing the time they spent together during the previous summer. She even references Maria's majestic eyes, how they're sweet, calm, and penetrating. This caused Maria to look in the mirror at herself. She felt she was being flattered. Tolstoy describes that she did have something of a homely figure and thin features, but Maria had these large, deep, luminous eyes, which gave her a charm more attractive than even beauty. Julie then moves on to mention that Moscow society is speaking of nothing other than war, and that the emperor has left for the front, and one of her brothers as well. She hopes that the Corsican monster, Napoleon, will soon be brought low. She then relays her strong feelings, which she describes as a platonic type of love for Nikolai. It was noted that Nikolai left his university studies to join the infantry. She calls him the one most dear to her heart, and his leaving caused her tremendous grief. She's been very impressed by Nikolai and describes him as having a wonderful heart and is someone of a rare nobility. She thinks that even though they're destined to be nothing more than friends, their parting was very sorrowful in her view. This letter is serving as something of a fast-forward in the story. It's bringing the reader up to speed about a bunch of things that have happened since the previous chapter, where Count Bezikov died. She describes young Nikolai as too young to be anything more than a friend, but she still describes the friendship as one of intimacy, poetry, and purity, and exactly what her heart needed. Julie then brings Mari up to speed with respect to what happened with Count Bezikov's estate. She writes, Prince Vasily took nothing. The three nieces or princesses, very little. Monsieur Pierre took it all and is now in charge of the finest fortune in the country. Prince Vasily left Moscow with great shame over being exposed trying to usurp the Count's wishes. Julie also notes the drastic change in behavior towards Pierre. Mothers are now virtually lining up their daughters for a shot at him. The daughters' attitudes have changed as well. Julie finds this shocking as she never really thought much of Pierre. Julie then relays that Maria's name has come up for a potential match, namely with the wild playboy Anatol Kuragin. Prince Vasily wants to pursue this route and get his son Anatol to reform himself. Julie then says she read the mystical book as it is all the rage. She says it's for high-minded thinkers and that it elevates the soul. Then she signs off. This letter had transformed Maria's attitude. It put her in a very good mood and got her out of the rut she was in. And much of the rest of the chapter is pretty much Maria's reply. And each of these letters is a very important exposition of the writer's characters. So for Julie, you get the sense that 
She's quite influenced by mystical books that are the rage of the day, and also she very much enjoys conveying the latest gossip. As for Maria, the princess was so enlivened as she started writing. She initially pointed out how unlike Julie, who is surrounded by a lot of people and friends and society, Princess Maria is pretty much alone at Bald Hills. She describes that if she didn't have her religion to comfort her, she would be very sad overall indeed. She then concedes never experiencing those feelings that Julie described for Nikolai, so she can't relate. She relates to a more traditional love, the one described in the Bible, for love of thy neighbor as well as thy enemies. She speaks of that type of love as demonstrated by Christ as more meritorious and sweeter and beautiful than any feeling of affection that young girls like Julie may demonstrate towards someone like Nikolai Rostov. Maria describes how she had received the news of Count Bezikov's death and how deeply it affected her father. Prince Nikolai Bolkonsky noted that Nikolai and the Count were the last of their peer group, namely the last of the Grand Siècle, or Grand Century. From a Russian perspective, this would refer to the era of Catherine the Great, though it refers to a previous time in French culture. Regardless, the King of Prussia now feels all alone. Maria takes a different view on Pierre, that she has a lot of faith in him. She knew him since a child, and knows his heart. And Tolstoy knows that in the Bible, the heart is the seat of wisdom. So characters with tremendous heart are the ones that he creates that are meant to mean the most, like both Maria and Pierre. She then quotes the Gospel in describing the behavior of Prince Vasily, namely how it's easier for a camel to fit through the head of a pin than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. In this vein, she expresses that she feels sorry for Pierre, that he is going to be burdened by such riches. She realizes all the temptation. Rather than being rich, she would rather be the poorest of poor beggars. I think this shows Tolstoy's psyche in working towards becoming a complete pacifist in the model of Christ, which he became later in his life. She then thanks Julie for the manuscript she sent. However, she doesn't feel that it will bear any good fruit because it is straying from true scripture. She notes a general distrust of mystical books, even if they are all the rage. To her, they are anathema to Christian simplicity. She would rather go directly to the epistles and gospels. She preaches, let us rather confine ourselves to studying the principles of our Savior Jesus Christ, the ones he has left for us, for our guidance. Follow them and be persuaded, lest we allow our feeble mortal minds to roam. And in the end, it will be all the more pleasing to God above when we reject knowledge that does not proceed directly from him. She speaks about wearing the garment of mortal flesh. How as long as that exists, there is this impenetrable veil between us and the eternal. This is something that can only be pierced with death and salvation. With all this expositionary language, I would suggest that this is Tolstoy completely morphing his outlook into the character of Maria. She then moves on to the prospect of marrying Anatole. 
She says she heard that Prince Vasily will be visiting and that she regards marriage as a divine institution that she is bound to conform to and that even though it will likely be painful to be imposed on the duties of wife and mother, she will accept the responsibility. She's beyond that vanity most of humanity is infected by. She then relays that her brother Andre will be coming, but that the visit will likely be all too quick, as he is going to leave to take part in this unhappy war. And all this talk of war, in addition to infatuating the cities, it is a very similar dynamic in Bald Hills. It has impacted an area which one associates with nature's peace. Prospective soldiers have been taken off her father's estate and marched off to war. She describes the genuine heartache of mothers, wives, and children who watch their men march off to war. She goes back to the lessons of Jesus, asking why men ascribe the title of greatest or their greatest efforts to the act of killing one another in wars rather than efforts of love and forgiveness. And with that, she signs off. And to finish out the chapter, she is interrupted by Mademoiselle Borion, her companion, who warns the princess of the bad mood her father is in. But the princess interrupts her and says never to call attention to that. She will always honor her father, as it states in the Ten Commandments, and she will never allow herself to criticize him and will not have others do so in front of her. So Maria then hurries off to the next item on her schedule that her father has set for her, between 12 and 2, playing her clavichord.